0: All right, Luke chapter 2. This is important, and I I know that um, uh, Albert has brought this up to me a few times how important this is. Starting at verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. stop there because I was asked about that this morning, what that meant. Remember that in our society, the way it was structured, the firstborn male is the one who lead, is a spiritual leader of his family. That's, uh, they're they're the ones who get the inheritance, the bulk of it. They're the ones who get the bulk of the responsibility. They will eventually become the patriarch. In our family, that's me now, since March. You know, um, and my son, And then he has a son. Uh, Cullen is our ninth first son of the first son from when we first started making that. And there's a reason we started there. But um, all of us have a responsibility. And so whenever I make out my power of attorneys, which I did, uh, living wills and health care directives and all that other, it's uh, Duncan that I give the power to pull the trigger uh, or to unpull the plug when that time comes. Uh, And it's, why? Because he's the first son. Also because he'll do it. You know, we we gave it, we gave the power of executor of the will to my daughter because she's exact and precise. But we also knew that she would uh, just stand there and weep all day and not pull the plug. Well, Duncan would go in and go, don't think he's going to make it. (laughs) And and he's going to be, and that's what we want, right? So it just means prepare them to be leaders of the family. This is one of the ways that we have failed our children in America, and not just this generation, for generations. We've removed consequences because it used to be if you didn't get up early and start the fire, the family was cold and there was no breakfast. Now what are the consequences? And in fact we try to remove consequences. If you don't train and your team loses, that's all right, There are, everybody gets a trophy. Uh, if you um, have Uh, Four or five babies with four or five people, the government will take care. You're never going to be rich. It's always a horrible life. I'm not trying to act like welfare queens. They're not queens. It's a painful life. But we could have protected had we trained earlier. Had we trained them to step up and be the spiritual leaders of the next generation. That is something that's another one of the things Lauren and Evan are brilliant at is that they don't stand there and teach the classes. They do a lot of teaching, but they work to help turn them into leaders. Right. And I've never seen a youth group, and I'm an old guy, I've never seen a youth group where when strangers come in, they are welcomed as easily and naturally as they are in this group. Immediately, and then they're not being swarmed like a cult will, but I mean, immediately they're just eased in, friendly, and the next thing you know, they're leaders. And it's amazing. We have to teach our children to be leaders, and so that's what was going on here. Now, even though I have very limited time, I want to get to Simeon because I want to get there for Albert. <laughs> um, uh, okay, and a pair of doves or two young pigeons that would just in, indicate that um, there's not a lot of money. This is this is the the minimum you could give, and so by the way, next time we see them, they're giving full gifts as we come to the Christmas season. When the wise men arrived, it was not on the night that Jesus was born. It wasn't to a barn. They came to the house. It it, had been a couple of years, um, maybe up to three, uh, probably closer to two. Regardless, they gave gold, frankincense, and mirth, and next time we see Joseph and Mary, they have upper-class gifts to give. It's a real change in status. So and you can tell that they're guys, by the way, wise men, because they brought totally inappropriate gifts for a baby shower. Myrrh. <laughs> no, actually, it was very appropriate at the time. It was a great honor. Moving on. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, and I think Albert would agree with me. I wish there had been two or three chapters about him. I'd like to know more. And about Anna. Oh, my goodness. I want to know more about Anna, uh, who was righteous and devout. He was Sadiq. He was righteous. He was waiting, watch this line, this is so important, for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. He was waiting and the Holy Spirit was on him. First of all, just, if you are still waiting for God to move in your life, it does not mean the Holy Spirit's not with you. Your feelings don't determine the facts of this thing. I want to set that aside. Now, to console somebody, what does console or consolation mean? And I'm not looking for a book thing here, you can say whatever you want. Definition you want? Sorry? To be with them? Yes. Comfort. I think that that would be the hot word that most of us would use. A comfort of some sort. To console them. The consolation of Israel was grieving. If you were a Jew, this immediately resonates with you because you've read Isaiah. And Isaiah repeatedly talks about Israel as a grieving widow, as a grieving bride who is now widowed, as a grieving woman who is on her own, and how God is going to send a champion to console the woman. And it's going to end up being better than it had ever been before. Isaiah repeats this. He keeps coming at it. It's a brilliant book. If you've not read it recently, you really need to go. You'll think Isaiah was watching our newscast. Because I think Isaiah blasts every government that's ever been. And everybody that trusts in government. And so now we come. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Stop right there. What kind of man would this have had to been? The birth of Jesus was a surprise to people. Simeon knew it wouldn't happen before he died. What a blessing saying, Simeon, I know you've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Israel's been waiting. But you have a special place in the heart of God. You need to know you have this promise. You'll see him. And in a little bit, I'm going to hand it over to to Albert because Albert loves this passage. He's brought it up to me, and I really appreciate him doing so. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. So it's a very crowded area. So he's just moving around. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and the glory of your people Israel. Albert, talk to us.
1: Well, as the custom was, as is said from the law of the Lord, for a Jewish per, a man and woman to bring their sons uh, for the for, for this specific rite, and so there were hundreds, maybe of, of couples coming in. Uh, that even the Sanhedrin, who would have been present, and other priests uh, in priestly service would have been aware. They were there were coming from everywhere. Each one of them has had a little boy, had a baby in their arms, mm-hmm. and and um, but the. Interesting thing to me is that because of the Holy Spirit, Simeon was able to see Jesus. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they would have thought it just a common child. Exactly. It's just an ordinary thing that's happening. And and think what what he would have missed without his faithfulness and being willing to be in that position because he should have already retired. He should have been uh, another way. Yeah. And and uh, and so the fact that with the Holy Spirit he was able to see the Lord. And I think the same thing holds true for us today. Without the, and that's what this retreat this coming weekend is all about. It, Without the Holy Spirit, there are things and revelations that are not available to us. That's right. He saw the Lord when other people missed Him. Even the religious people did. And Anna is remarkable uh, in her in her time at the temple. And in fact, uh, uh, we're ready to publish my third book on fasting, and the text is from this very one. Anna fasted and prayed. All this time, while she was at the temple worshiping the Lord,
0: it's it's um, it it is a tremendous passage. And what I want you to, um, you you brought up to me a couple times, um, that he he when he looked at Jesus, you know, we look at him and we say Savior and Lord as we should, yes. He said consolation. That's right. So that's
1: uh, the whole. And you see, even from Isaiah. The which uh, about 750 years before Christ he talked about this in so many different ways and even the name David prevails in prophetic literature often David will be mentioned as if he's going to be born again it really isn't but it's leading us to this time when uh, as he in this beautiful uh, three verses here not only does he talk about the Gentiles coming in which Isaiah is what really uh, opens that in a number of ways but then for the glory of your people Israel as well. In other words, this is the final one to come. There will be no other Savior than he. Yep.
0: That is just, it's tremendous. My eyes have seen your salvation. That's That's just because Jesus exists. Now, think about this. We often tie salvation, I talked about this during a sermon, um, in case you weren't listening. (laughs) Um, We often tie salvation to outward acts. And there are outward acts of great importance I mentioned baptism Uh, that is uh, I don't believe that that's an outward act of an inward sign I I believe or outward sign of an I I believe we're baptized because Jesus told us to be baptized and we're baptized for the remission of our sins that we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit I'm not going to lower baptism to something else that said the way we act and respond and such after that we often act as if there's a minimum you have to do to be a member of the church You have to agree with us on these doctrines and you have to worship like this. Jesus, and then you'll be saved. Simeon looks at the person of Jesus and says, The salvation. In other words, salvation is now here because Jesus is here. That changes everything. And so, you know, I was growing up, we had a lot of sermons on hell. I always I said, Do you ever notice what Paul said about hell? Hell and they'll say, what? I said, nothing. <laughs> he talks about being refined as fire so we will be saved. Um, but we often run there when we ought to run back and say the salvation of the Lord. Because I really believe more people are attracted to the love and, of God than they are the fear of God.
1: Yes. Look, I have just never thought as another dimension to baptism. And 1 Peter chapter 3, he uses the illustration of Noah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And in verse 21, he says the like figure to what? Well, whatever happened to Noah, baptism saves us. Yep. And that, and of course, uh, Noah was baptized in the floods, as it were, as it was. But he was simply moved from one well, from one station of life into another. Now it goes on to say, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer. answer. <laughs> that word answer is interesting. It's used translated differently, but it's word eperotema and the principal definition of that in the Greek uh, ca- uh, catalog is prayer. So among other things, at baptism is actually a prayer, outward act of prayer, including its prayer, thanking God for saving us by his grace through faith.
0: And, and this echo comes into believer's culture. Uh, it would be hard to find um, a community that in America, Back in the day, that was more soaked in faith and obligation and the mystery of God than the Appalachian Mountains. And even their music—if you do music at all—you know about the. um, You have a part A and a part B, and they'll do part A twice until part B. And there's a there's a rule on fiddle tunes and like, but there's another way they call it. They call it call and response. And a lot of. Even the old rugged cross, where there's another part that goes underneath, there's a call and response to it.
1: And this is the response of a good heart toward God. Yes. And that was singing in the early church. Yes. Someone would would either in one way sing a verse from the Psalms, and then the the group would react to it. So it was was a statement made, and then a response to it. Not anything like four-part harmony, which we love.
0: No. Uh, yes, and in fact, four-part harmony split the church whenever it was first started. Yeah, yeah. as that modern stuff? It was awful. Stamps Baxter? Are you kidding? Yeah. Uh, anyway, but uh, well, by the way, Albert, in churches in Scotland uh, that were not established and then run by American missionaries, still do um, the
1: the, fast the, so, la, the fast so well. They
0: called, they yes. they do that, but they also have uh, like in Kirkcaldy. Uh, and I don't know if it's still that way, but it was all the way up through the 80s. You you don't have a song leader. You have a guy, he's somewhere, and he would either read the first verse, and then there's a pause, and everybody starts singing, or he would sing the first verse. I remember in Slamanan, they didn't have a guy that could hold a tune, so he would kind of say the first syllable, and his wife would lead it, because they went under male cover there. Sad. Anyway, um and you could always tell if there's a visiting American because they pause between the verses, Scots do. And Americans would run on three or four words, uh ah. four or five seconds, then they'd sing the second. The idea is to respond to what you've just said to God. Because we are making promises in our songs. Uh it and Albert I've told you this as well. I with a person like me that struggles with prayer, there are some lines in Sweet Hour of Prayer that I'm going, well, I'm about to lie to God now. And, and I had to pull back and say, all right, I'm going to ask for some poetic license here. You know, the only time I've ever prayed an hour at a time is, you know, like if I'm stuck in a well, I, I'm, I'm, which I've not been, but you get my point. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. Does that sound familiar to you? Sounds like the Magnificat. Amen. The prayer of Mary that you just saw. Mary was sharp. It was amazing. And to be a sign that will be spoken against. That's why we train to respond as people of faith. Because you will be spoken against they will say awful things about you Cammie and I've gone through that quite a lot haven't we and we had to train what to say and do most of the time by the way I, I respond in silence I'm not going to judge them even if they're judging me no nope. they have a master I am not him I'm not put on the earth to to fix them it's um it can be hard though when, especially when you come from a long line of battle. Uh, I think I've told you a story before, it's in our genes. Kara called us when Lucas was what three or four and said I was telling Lucas the Easter story and he was getting visibly upset and he stopped me and he said who killed Jesus and she said so I was saying well the Romans had a law and she, had, she put her, his little hand up in front of my face and said no you don't understand. I need names. She said, I'm blaming you. And I went, fair enough. Um, you know, it is it is hard. Everything in me wants to strike back. We have to be trained to be different. We have to go and say, no, nope. my training says, look at this, many hearts will be revealed. The thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. In other words mom and dad this isn't all good news it's gonna hurt, this is gonna hurt. uh, Every so often when our son was still in the Marines um, I'd get a Facebook message or um, email, text wasn't really big even 10 years ago it's really swarmed since then but I'd get a little you know my kids wants to go in the military and we're really afraid and and other people would swarm around saying you know it's gonna be great it's gonna be and I said let's not do that let's sit down and say You should be proud of them. You should cover them in prayer. We make no guarantees. God offers no guarantees. When you're in harm's way, we fear it. Everyone who has a child in there fears it. What we do is we pray, and you'd be proud of a child that has the, the courage to step out and get between you and evil. And so we try to say, listen, this can hurt. The thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. Now I gotta do this before I leave and I got an 11 hour drive so that's gonna be a hoot. I'm just gonna put it on cruise control and take a nap, hope for the best. Try to stay off 65 south through Birmingham and then 59 down through if you would. There's also a prophet, Anna. I love that the new NIV, the one that they changed in 2011, removes the S, prophet S, which is a made-up word. The word prophet for her is the same word that they use for Isaiah, Ezekiel, any of the others. In English, I don't know if you've noticed, but we're dropping it. A woman who uh, works in movies is not called an actress anymore. She's called an actor. Good. Because that's what she does, right? And now we're not even talking about men who've lost their wives as widowers. We call them widows. We're stripping that out. And I know some people are going, oh, it's gender inclusive. Well, you know something should be gender inclusive let's just let's just be honest and show respect Anna was not a prophetess because if we hear prophetess we think because of our culture and our training prophet light you know kind of a prophet a girl prophet no she's a prophet yes sir in, please. First
1: Corinthians 11, in the church in Corinth when women pray or prophesy.
0: yeah abs- well i think you can say what you want you you have status um uh, yeah and in fact it's amazing how people go to 1 Corinthians and find one verse about how uh, well actually two verses about how Paul uh, regulates the worship service in Corinth and says that that means women can't speak when right before there they're prophesying which is preaching and right after there they're bringing special uh, prayers special songs and it's you you Remember, people, a text without a context is a pretext. Read the whole thing. Understand the whole thing. I love Anna. Let's get to her. The daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. I love how specific they are, but those, that means nothing to me, the Asher and Penuel thing. But I love how specific they are. They give this woman an identity. She was very old. She probably didn't approve of that phrase. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. Now, that's heartbreaking. It is. She she had her joy for seven years and then, but lived a long life. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Um, I don't I don't know I don't know how to make equivalences here, and I don't want to be a false equivalence maker. But every time I start to think, you know, we're doing really good, I compare myself to someone like Mother Teresa. Going, she loved God more than I do. And I'm 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 not proud to say that I I would like to win that battle, but everything in her life showed how much she loved God. I say Amen. Yeah, I think that's um. You know, it took a lot of heat, and you don't have to like the book, you don't have to have ever read of it. But Rob Bell wrote a book called, called, here, uh, years ago called Love Wins, and one of his lines was if you are in a faith that says Mother Teresa didn't make it because she wasn't in the right church, you're in the wrong faith. And again, you can take that or not. I, I look at her love and I'm going, oh my goodness, Patrick, you have a long way to go. And as um, the old, what was his name? Uh, Jerry, Jerry Reed's song said, a long way to go and a short time to get there. Um, anyway, now there, that song's in your head for the rest of the day, and you're welcome.
1: She, yes. Edith Stein died the same month with Bonhoeffer uh, at the at the order of Himmler uh, by Hitler's request, and she went with. Uh, she died in the in in the in the dungeons in the in the tombs. Mm-hmm. But um, before she did, she was encouraging the women by her side, and she was and she her sister was with her, and and she she was putting towels over the faces of the Jewish women who were watching their children being killed. And just an hour before she went in to die in the ovens, she wrote a prayer to the Holy Spirit that I have never read anything in my life better. And so, both after Edith Stein nor Mother Teresa, I'd rather not be just behind them in the day of judgment. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Uh,
0: Would you do us a favor and bring that prayer next week?
1: Okay, yes, sir, we'll go ahead and do that. I, I would like that. Thank you.
0: Um, she never left the temple fasting and praying, coming up to them at that very moment. Now, why is that very important? For all the obvious reasons. But to the Jews, a truth was only established at the mouth of two witnesses. Now you have a priest and a prophet showing up at the same time among all those kids, and it's yours. They're saying, that's why. This is, this is a testimony. I just got chills again. Um, and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So we have redemption, consolation, and salvation. Amen. All found this little baby. Just, I'm a big fan of women anyway. I told you last week I, they're the only beings on the planet that can usher in a human into this, this world. And then to have this woman talk to Joseph and Mary like this is just amazing. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth, and a child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Now, we enter a gap. Gap of probably nine years. Because he's probably a toddler around three, uh, when the story we just read took place. Um, now... And we do that. It's all inference. It's all inference about this guy was king and then this happened. Do you have something down that? Is
1: it possible that Moses' mother and Hannah each may have nursed their sons to up to six years even? That's strange to say, but that's <coughs> a part of the tradition.
0: In, in some societies, that is, it, it still is today. Um, and it's just the child weans themselves eventually, but breast and breastfeeding are looked upon as erotic and therefore... You know, in, in the West, we've made thing made people and parts of people play things that were not designed that way. Um, we we have a gap, and I wanna I wanna caution you because, and you already know this. But let's just remind ourselves: when God leaves a gap, people rush in, and they want to fill that gap. And so you're gonna see on Discovery Channel or History Channel or the like, whenever they're not too busy talking about ancient aliens that didn't exist. Um, they're going to say things like the lost books of the Bible. They're not lost. We know where they are. You want to read them? Read them. Uh, they're online for free. There's no copyright on these things. Read the, the Nag Hammadi library or whatever. Uh, they're up there. Uh, I've read some of them. I've got to tell you right now, they are so dead boring and unconvincing, it is difficult to get through. I love the book of Enoch. That one's a hoot. Second book of Enoch, not a hoot. First one, it's like 1st Maccabees. It's great. Second Maccabees, eh. it's just kind of like, it wasn't written by the same person, and it shows. All that to say, people rushed in the childhood gospels, the gospel of Mary, the gospel of, and it was to teach what happened in the gaps. Don't do that. You don't need to. If you needed to know that, God would have told you. You don't need to know it. He was a kid. There there have been Christian hymns about, you know, um, what was he like as a child. I think it's fine to think about, but that's not where our focus should be. I mean, did, did Jesus, were, did little girls have a crush on Jesus? Did he have a crush on little girls? Did Jesus have acne? Yes, because he was a teenager uh, long before they had acne preparations. Uh, did he have bad breath? Yes. Did he smell? Yes, because he was human in a culture that only had certain, it was bound by scope and time, right? Reality and time. So when Jesus can look at us and say, I've been tempted with everything that you have, that means he was tempted to lust, to steal, to lie. Aren't you glad? You know, it's, I used to, my migraines are, are now so much better than they used to be, and I have no explanation for that. uh, It's not like I took a new pill or something. But for most of my life, uh, I had to have medication with me factoring how long I was going to be away from the house, decades. I was trying to share that difficulty with one of my friends when we lived in South Carolina and he said, you know, I've never had a headache. I said, any kind? He said, never had a headache of any kind and I said, well, Kevin, maybe you're a carrier. You cause headaches in other people. Is that what you do? And, uh, and we laugh, but I, I didn't talk to him ever anymore about having head pain. Why? Well, why would you? But when I talk to God, I've brought this up before, one of the things I say repeatedly in my prayers is, God, it's hard down here. Remember, it's hard down here. And I've even gone so far as to say, talk to Jesus. He knows. This is hard. And I, you, you, after you come back from a hospital, you hear some news about, this is hard. So don't rush in to fill the gaps with made-up stories. People say, well, he was raised in England. He was raised in India. And it's all because they have an agenda. Just stop it. Could Jesus have gone as far as India and England? Yes, the Jews were part of the Roman Empire. They traded. They had ten mines in Cornwall. They had mines in, in, in India. Uh, and markets in India, and the Apostle Thomas would get to India. Uh, but we don't need to pretend; we can play and think, but then we need to come back and say, "What were we told?" We need to look and see what we were told,
1: and go from there.
0: And I'm going to leave it there because I got to go. Yeah, I'm going to let you have the last word.
1: Uh, it's been difficult. I've cared. I had two serious uh, issue, uh, issues to deal with, even this morning during this service. But we bear one another's and so fulfill the law of Christ.
0: What an amazing line that is, right? We bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When I was growing up again, I thought we had to do external things to fulfill the law. No, just take care of each other. Wow. God bless you.